When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School, and it's scary Christmas season. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Uh, Seasons grievings. Seasons grievings. That's right. Thank you. And and a season's grievings unto you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You doing all right? Uh, Holding out? You're still here? No COVID? I'm, I'm... I am here. This is not an astral projection. I am I am live in, in living color, flesh and blood and bone for you here. Uh, doing okay. You know, we're we are on the on this the eve of California's second lockdown, or at least our region's lockdown. Yeah. It's um yeah, well, it's funny because like most of us have been locked down, uh, so it's really I'm you know discovering that we're on like the third lockdown or something, and I'm like, we never left the first one, y'all. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's like, whatever. I mean, I, I think the the best meme that's going around is if the if the lockdown that's coming is going to drastically impact how you've been living your life the last couple months, you're the problem, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, things are things are not good. They're not um they're not looking up. Uh so hopefully, you know, this will help, but I mean, I really think the vaccines getting here are going to be helpful. But um our our um dear dear listener is already exhausted by all of that probably. So, uh what else is going on? <laughs> any, um, any good shows? <laughs> Well, I started playing Pokemon Go. Oh? <laughs> well, I mean, not started. I mean, when it came out in 2016, I and others of, you know, my generation that grew up with the cartoon and traded Pokemon cards on the on the, you know, schoolyard, uh I I like downloaded it. It was a novelty for a good two months for me. And then I was, and then I took it off my phone and haven't returned to it since. But again, as we all know, things on the internet exist forever. Um, 
And so I got back into it and now I'm like, wow, this is, I should have been doing this all eight months of the quarantine, like also the beginning of the quarantine, because it really is just like, um, fun, mindless game, you know, like it's just, and then there's like, and then there's ways that you challenge yourself. And so there's things that I'm like, okay, well, let me see if I can do this and do that. And I went from being like level 10 when I started to now I'm like level 25 of, I'm like halfway through the number of levels you can be in this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's just me now being, you know, playing to play into Pokemons. Um, I did just finish Big Mouth on Netflix. Oh yeah, um, which I I love that show. I love it so much, and I think that you know it is. I think that it is crude and it is crass and vulgar um, with a capital V, but it's also got a lot of heart <laughs> and it speaks honestly about things. And I think, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and also like. Maria Bamford as the anxiety mosquito <laughs> is really great. Um, and all of those like different kind of uh, manifestations of, you know, hormones and uh, Jean smart is the depression kitty. Like it's just, it's so good. I've not watched that. So um, you're recommending it. I recommend it. I recommend it to you. It, it's it's a really fun watch. It's very vulgar. It's about it's about uh, kids going through puberty in middle school, and kind of the pitfalls of all of that. But you know, these kids are speaking with adult adult voices about things, and the writing staff is like really queer. But it's also like I know a lot of the I'm familiar with a lot of the people who who write on the show, and it's a uh, Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. Um, star in it and it's very it's very funny um, yeah. and super smart um, another thing that's very funny and super smart that I've watched recently is the reboot of Saved by the Bell on Peacock and I, I remember watching Saved by the Bell every morning on Saturdays with uh, my sisters and so this was kind of you know a little bit of a, a throwback to that but I love it because it's it reminds me a lot of the very of the Brady Bunch movies from the 90s you know that they're just super self-aware and they're kind of spoofing it and this one is too like Zach Morris is the governor of California and he's conservative and he basically is the villain <laughs> Zach Morris as the villain of the show is uh is really cool and just kind of how they all though. what was that <laughs> Isn't that on brand though? Like, wasn't he always the villain of that show? I mean, he was supposed to, he was the hero. If he was, he, they set him up as the hero. I mean, you know, oh. the white blonde hero of the, he always the show. He to be like a terrible person on that show. Well, I, that's, so that's something that's being addressed in this. And then, and then just like Josie Toda returning to, you know, public consciousness as, as a, a trans uh, actress playing a trans character is really great. And they're not like beating you over the head. You know, it's not this very special episode that it would have been probably in the nineties, but it's just, it's just so good. And she has like some of the best, I think you would love her. Like she has some of the best like jabs and jabs and japes um in the show so those are two things that i've been watching yeah i never um watched saved by the bell like really growing up i remember it being on when i was getting ready for school um Mm -hmm. but i never paid much attention to it so uh, 
uh, I, I don't plan to watch the reboot, but, um, <laughs> uh, what if I, I finished the queen's gambit. I really enjoyed that. Um, for the most part, it had, um, kind of a disappointing thing in the finale, but overall I enjoyed that. Um, watching lots of Christmas horror had a really nice, um, night last night, made some hot chocolate, watched Krampus for Krampus knocked. Um, you know, it's been kind of a chill week in that sense, you know, prepping for the holidays and, uh, you know, getting, getting stuff delivered, lots of packages, lots of boxes, mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for the, for Christmas. <laughs> yes. For the Christmases. Um, yeah, what are no. you hoping, uh, what are you hoping, uh, Krampus, uh, brings for you? Um, you know, overthrowing the hetero capitalist patriarchy. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to say a vaccine. I, I hope he brings me a bag of heads of some of our worst um, uh, people. Uh, I'm not naming names. Um, <laughs> they know who they are <laughs> for reasons known only she to them. knows what she did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, in um, what else? I don't know. I yeah. I would like yeah a vaccine big time. I would like to get back to concerts. I really miss that. I'd like to get back to uh, watching movies with you in person. Would be nice. Um, yes, I know. Especially this one because it costs so damn much money that it's like it would have been nice. Yeah. to split it. <laughs> I know it would have been nice to just to like pause. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, when we actually start discussing the uh, the film. But uh, yeah. Otherwise, you know, yeah, been okay you know work sucks obviously ongoing pandemic blah 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 uh mandalorian's been fun i did try to watch that mulan movie i was asleep very quickly um i just fair i'm just not good with that is fair you know with the disney movies i mean i did start it late so maybe i should try again i did enjoy seeing is it gong lee was that is the um She's the witch. The witch. I liked her a lot. Um, I liked the design on her. I thought that was cool. But yeah, I would like to go back and actually re try to rewatch it. I like it because, like in the original movie, um, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I know that's I know it's not the name, but I keep calling him Shen Yun, <laughs> the the villain, uh, Brandon Lee's character. He in the in the animated film, he has like a Falcon. And so this is really, I thought this was a really cool take on like the Falcon. That's basically his right hand is actually like a woman and one of the bigger characters in the film. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a really cool take on that. Plus the design and the, the talons on her are just so cool. Yeah. 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 It, it was neat visually, but yeah, I just, um, I kept kind of dozing off. So I need to try to watch it again. I'm just, uh, you know, Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um yeah other than that you know just um you know excited lots of cool stuff to happen next year i'm i'm excited that hbo max is deciding to put uh like dune and you know some of their bigger films on i mean warner brothers is deciding to put some of their bigger films coming out next year onto hbo max so there's lots to be excited about in that realm i'm glad i'm not the president of amc or whatever <laughs> <laughs> glad i don't own a massive movie chain uh mm-hmm. movie cinema chain but um you know there's, there's lots of cool stuff is coming out so i, I yeah. have reason to be excited for the new year see i i 
I love that because it's just like for where we are right now, that's the smart thing to do. I think people who those executives who were like, let's just, you know, put a movie, let's move our movie to come out when we can, you know, do whatever next year. I think they're seeing now that they should have just put it out anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope, I hope that's the hope I'm not in these rooms, so I don't know, but I mean, like, I don't think that, I think we're overblowing Tenet's performance at the box office. Um, especially, I mean, the worldwide box office, yes. But, like, you know, I, I think we're overblowing that. And I don't necessarily want to celebrate a movie that was, like, not going to give people who were reviewing it, like, screeners and, like, literally endangering their lives. I think it was AV Club or Vulture that did that here. We're not reviewing Tenet, and here's why. Right. Um, and... And I feel like, you know, now we're, we are where we are with that, where it's just like, you know, oh, um, they should just do it and just embrace, because everything is kind of going toward this, uh, um, going toward this, um, uh, this, the going towards remote, going towards the internet in this way. Um, that being said, I don't think it's going to replace, as soon as it's safer to do so, I don't think that it's going to replace like the experience of sitting in a movie theater and having the sound and the screen and, and the scale of that. Not at all. You know, and we were talking about that uh, this past week because, you know, like lots of people are kind of doomsdaying. Oh, people are never going to go to live theater again. People are never going to go to a concert again. Why do that when you could just sit at home and watch it? It's like, no, we crave to be with each other and we crave for real uh, experiences and we need them, you know? So it's like, it's smart. They should be like, everybody should be catering to like staying at home and encouraging people to stay at home. And here's another good reason to stay at home. And, you know, another reason to keep yourself protected and things will come back. I mean, we just, we want them to come back, you know? Uh, So yeah, I think the people who are like, you know, doomsday, you know, that this is all, this is going to kill all live events. I just, I disagree. Um, obviously it's, it's badly hurting them right now. And we've got, we share plenty of friends who work in live theater and work in concert, you know, venues and, you know, do, you know, support staff. And we know people who are musicians and who are actors. And we, we know tons of people that are, that are obviously affected, um, very, very badly by COVID because naturally, you know, the places we shouldn't be gathering are shut down, you know, and so that obviously impacts people's lives. And so if we really care about those things, we need to stay focused on being healthy and being safe and getting the vaccine as fast as possible, you know, instead of blaming Gavin Newsom, which I mean, you know, sure, reasons to to, to dislike him, you know, politically aside um you know everybody going oh you're killing restaurants it's like no you're killing them because you keep going to them without a mask and making everybody sick <laughs> so yeah you know fuck off it's it's not the restaurant owner's fault that we live in this it's not the restaurant owner's fault the business owner's fault that we like in absence of like a large federal response that would have you know made it so that way they could you know, like survive and pay their people, you know, like they, in absence of that kind of um, safety net for these small businesses, um, which is like literal safety net, you know, instead of like the larger companies and the bailouts, like we could have, we could have done that with these smaller businesses and made it so that way it would be, 
they could operate and and still be okay operating like takeout only. But you know, in absence right. of that, it's just like they're they had to, you know, people also wanted to get back to work. So it's like I see it both ways, but at the same time, like I still eat I still eat out at plenty of restaurants, but I'm literally like either takeout or delivery because yeah. I'm just not, you know, I'm trying to support local as much as possible, but I also am not going to risk my life. Well, and again, that's always just the easiest thing too. It's like, you know, the blaming the government for some people is a sort of amorphous, large organization when instead you can blame the person next to you. Um, so I do, I absolutely agree with that as well. And that, yeah, we should really be holding the government's feet to the fire. I mean, the military budget is enormous. They could take a few trillion from that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, it's insane that there isn't more support for people, you know, and again, it's like, Oh, the world is being poisoned because you're using a straw. And it's like, well, it's like 10 corporations are poisoning the world truly, but it's harder to, to hold their, you know, to hold them responsible. So it's just bad all around. It's, you know, it sucks. So anyways, I, um, (laughs) we just keep ending the the same conversation. (laughs) (laughs) This is, but this is 2020 though. This is, this is literally 2020 when we're just like having the same conversations over and over again. But um, yeah. So anyways, we hope that you dear listener are staying healthy and safe and you know, everybody's got to do what they can with their resources and their life and their choices. And, you know, we just want you to be well. And um, you know, that's what we want. And I want you to be well, Joe. And I want me to be well. And uh, so let's take a break and we'll be back to discuss this uh, new, very cool live, quote unquote, version of A Christmas Carol. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Bah humbug. Welcome back. Um, Yeah, so today we are discussing this very uh, cool new recording of a christmas carol that's out uh starring uh jefferson mays and uh jefferson mays and jefferson mays and jefferson mays jefferson mays <laughs> i love the cast list uh at the end of the movie i don't know if you stayed and listened to you know let it just play all the way through but yeah the cast list was just him and then like one other guy is like a voice of something but otherwise it's just 40 characters of of jefferson mays uh so yes it is uh, a new adaptation of a christmas carol um, a Christmas Carol in prose being a ghost story of Christmas is its full title. Uh, and if you've been, you know, in case you don't know, that's uh, a little novella by a man called Charles Dickens uh, from uh, what year was that? 1843 mm-hmm. originally published. 
and uh, tells the uh, redemption tale of one Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, who is a big uh, dick face, and uh, a bunch of ghosts show up and scare him into being a good person, proving that Christmas has has always been scary, and we're not uh, we're not so far you know off the track here uh, in, in discussing the importance of horror at the holidays. Uh, because one of our most famous, you know, and and um, yeah, I would say one of the most famous Christmas tales is one of abject horror. Yeah, <laughs> at least to people who read it, you know, specifically in that time period and this new recording. So, Joe, will you talk a little bit first about the this project, what the whole thing is? Yeah. So, um, so Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Um, was adapted by Jefferson Mays and um, this particular production as well as um, well, so it was adapted by Jefferson Mays and Michael Arden, um, Tony nominated director. And they actually originally performed this in uh, the Geffen Playhouse in LA um, last year, actually around this time. Oh, wow. And um, so it's very new, very much in the, in the consciousness. And um, one of our friends, our dear friend, Anya, um, I posted that I was watching it and she reached out to me and just said that she um, happened to be working at the playhouse at that time. And that Jefferson Mays was a very, you know, darling human being. Um, and Jefferson Mays. It would have been nice to have had her on to just talk about it with us. I know it was, it was. Uh, just <laughs> it ran, was just, yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. how that happens. Yeah. Um, but she, um, Jefferson Mays is also, you know, Tony, I believe Tony award. Tony nominated for I Am My Own Wife, which is also another one-person show. He's definitely um, a Tony winner. I'm not sure. For what. Yes. Uh, and, um, here and I remember seeing the, um, getting the mailers for, um, for Geffen and wanting to go there to, you know, take part, just not having the time. Pre post COVID now, that'll be, I'll go everywhere <laughs> and see everything. You're right. He won like everything for I am my own wife, Tony award, drama desk award, theater world award, little, little theater world award. That's uh, a lot. And outer <laughs> critic circle award. So go ahead. Thank you. Uh, thanks for looking that up. He's a big winner. Uh, he's a, he's all a big winner. Um, and basically what the reason why I brought this to Joshua, um, is because, one, this particular project was filmed on stage uh, in New York and during COVID. So it was filmed actually in October. They completed the, the filming of it. And um, it is a one-person show, so it's very easy for the social distancing and to do it without masks. And um, they did it partially as also a fundraiser for regional theaters. Um, so we... so. Basically, this production is available um, until, I think, the end of December, maybe the beginning of January. Yeah, I think it's through January. So it's, it's available um, to purchase through, Jan- through the end of January. And um, a portion, at least $20 of the streaming ticket price, will go toward um, the regional theater that you, uh, w- however you procured the link. So, of course, we wanted to support our regional, th- um, one of our regional theaters, I should say, one of, because uh, there's several here in, in San Diego, but is the La Jolla Playhouse. And um, they, um, we, I saw that they were being one of the theaters that was going to benefit. So I said, let's do this. 
um, because all I knew about it was that it in the advertising from it, everything is just how kind of spooky, creepy this is. Like it's a ghost story. And then you really think about it like, yes, A Christmas Carol is literally the most famous ghost story ever, ever told. And I think this gets down to this production gets down to that. And we can talk about that more in a little bit. But that's kind of the history of the production. So there's still plenty of opportunities for everybody to go and look it up, support, go to see what your regional theater is in your area, support it. I believe Geffen has it up. Um, the La Jolla Playhouse has it up. And there's some other places too. But um, definitely you should be, you should support this. And um, it was also just nice to kind of escape and have a night at the theater. Um and and have like a really good like and have it be really good quality and i think that's what the success of hamilton has shown um hamilton on disney has shown us is that you can have um very well done beautifully well done theater a uh, filmed theater and have it be seamless it's not the same of course it's not the same as being there in the room seeing the magic live on stage but you are but it's still be still being able to do that storytelling and yeah so there you go so this is something that you know also in you know the fright school of it all this is something that neither of us had ever this is this production was neither of us had ever seen but i'm curious joshua do you have a particularly favorite uh adaptation of a christmas carol no (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because, yeah, I, I, um, I, this might be it, uh, now. Okay. Um, because I, I, yeah, I, I, I've never really liked, um, a Christmas Carol necessarily. Uh, you know, I mean, I've definitely seen lots of different versions of it. Obviously, this is that time of year where it kind of pops on. And, you know, I remember what is the one Scrooged or whatever that's like with Bill Murray. Yeah, with Bill Murray. I remember seeing that like growing up, Um, you know, so it's kind of sad. It's like I until we really started doing this and really started analyzing, you know, horror in this way, I never really saw uh, a Christmas Carol as like a horror, you know, as much as I do now, again, contemporary audiences, <laughs> you know, it might be a little different, but you know, when you talk about Gothic horror, when you talk about existential horror, which is kind of where this falls, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's perfect. I mean, it fits right in with, you know, Krampus and it fits in with, you know, especially the way they did this. Cause it was very creepy. There were a lot of very creepy moments. Some of the voices, the effects they put on his voice. So he could be different ghosts. It was very creepy. Uh, I could see being like in the theater, you know, watching it live. It would be something I would definitely want to do. And I hope to get that opportunity someday that somebody puts this on again in this way, if it's him or somebody else, uh, Jefferson Mays, I mean, um, or, or a different actor. I, I, I really thought this was very beautifully well done. But no, I don't have a, a favorite because I, ne- I didn't really ever like A Christmas Carol all that much. I definitely have more appreciation for it now. Uh, what about you? Um. For for many years, my favorite adaptation um, was the Patrick Stewart TNT adaptation, where he plays um, Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, because it's a it's very period. It's like a very high period drama, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the Patrick Stewart adaptation is like l- verbatim 
Dickens, which is this adaptation as well. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, I've never seen I've never seen Muppets Christmas Carol, which a lot of people go to. Um, of the modern interpretations of um, a Christmas Carol, I do love a Diva's Christmas Carol starring Vanessa Williams as Ebony <laughs> Scrooge. Wow. Uh, um, and I remember watching that, and it was a VH1 holiday movie, and she plays like you know her 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 partner was Marley Jacobs. <laughs> And her, uh, I love it because her ghost of Christmas future is basically her sitting down watching her VH1 behind the music <laughs> and watching what happens to her after that. And it, it's, I, it's, you know, it's, it's really campy. And I thought it was, it's just a fun way of, you know, I love modern interpretations of, of the story and how can we continue to milk um, something that's like, you know, over two centuries old at this point. Um, but um, to be quite honest, I'm with you. This is probably my favorite one. And I really hope one day to not only see it live, but I, I want to own this. So that way I can yeah, uh, I'm play it every Christmas. It, yeah. I'm disappointed that it wasn't, you know, like a, uh, an, uh, an unlimited stream or something. Cause I really would have liked to have watched it a few more times, you know, over this, over the course of the next month. Um, but I'm not going to buy it again. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I also, re- what I really liked about this as well is that, you know, in like the 1870s, um, I believe, I think it was the, let, let me look, or maybe it was sooner. Um, anyways, it, at some point in, you know, w- once it was released, uh, Dickens actually had the idea of going around and like touring it and, and performing it live for people of, you know, these sort of like readings and, and doing voices and making faces, all of these things that he rehearsed and, you know, that he, you know, had this idea of how the story could be presented to, to a live audience. And I just thought that was very, very uh, cool that they took that original idea. And it's like, if Dickens would have existed now, this is what he would have done. This is, or, or, you know, if we had that technology, you know, in the Mm -hmm. 1800s, this is what it would have looked like. And I, I think that if he were alive, uh, you know, and had the opportunity to see this, I think he would be very impressed by it. And that, that, that this captured in a way more so than anything, like his own performance of it, you know, and his own idea of how it could be, how it could be done. And so I just, uh, yeah, I was just really blown away by it. And I was really prepared not to like it. <laughs> Mostly just in the fact that, yeah, again, I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. not like this huge fan of, um, a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm not, I'm not either. And that's the thing is that like, I'm not, I'm not particularly a fan of a Christmas Carol either, but I became one because of this, I, I became a fan of this production and I'm like, this is what's possible. This is how you can reinvent something that's over two centuries old yeah. and make it have more meaning. And the thing is, is that it's not that they made it have more meaning. It's that they brought out its original intention, which is to be this morality, the spooky morality tale just happens to be set around the holidays and it's also a very secular tale. Like, it's not anything that has to do with the birth of Christ. I don't think they mentioned it once at all. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I mean, there's like a few little snippets of hymns, but they're not, you know. 
yeah, they're not anything dealing with like, you know, Jesus birthday. It's just like, it's Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah. Which I thought is like, an, upon like just reflecting on it last night and, and Michael Arden posted when this, when this uh, went live, he posted on his Instagram that, the director, yes, yeah. he posted that um, the way it should be watched is like you know at night in a dark room um, with your loved ones are snuggled up and you know just trying to believe that your house isn't haunted as well. And I thought it was just so um, it was so beautifully done and so ethereal. Um, but we can let, we can get into that in a little bit. Well, no, I mean, I think, yeah, we're kind of in that because that's that's sort of the, you know, the whole idea behind the original novella. You know, I mean, Dickens grew up pretty poor, you know, and had a lot of difficulty. And so his, uh, you know, and also coming up in the time of industrialization and, you know, this whole shifting and changing of culture and the values of people and everything was just sort of changing. And so he, you know, he very much grew up with this, you know outlook of you know we have to take care of the poor and we have to take care of the disenfranchised um and that really kind of informed this sort of you know i think i think he really contributed to to this sort of new sense of of christmas and and at a time when britain you know when there was this just this whole new outlook you know on christmas and i think he really helped solidify a lot of what we think of you know, in the holidays and that's kind of bled into to, to other things. So I just, um, I don't know. I wish I had had more appreciation, I think in general for a Christmas Carol, cause I think it's a linchpin and a lot of cultural change, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's obviously a lot going on in it. Uh, the, the original novel and then obviously, or the novella. And then, you know, once it gets adapted, you know, it's, it's just interesting that it's like, we're, you know, we live in a culture that idolizes the rich, you know, and idolizes mm-hmm. a certain sort of culture, lifestyle and um, a certain attitude. But, you know, we always put like rich people as these evil villains <laughs> in, 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 in culture, you know, in, in movies or, and obviously with this, you know, the, the whole point of the, the thing is like, you're a greedy, miserly, miserable old man. And if you, gave more and interacted with your community more and supported it, it would, you know, it would really change your life, you know, and that these things don't matter. And so anyways, I think all that comes through really well in the, in this production and that it is still, it is a very um, timely tale given that we live in a time where like, like when this was originally written of massive, you know, general, yeah, massive wealth gaps, massive uh, difference between those who have and those who don't. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in a future, it, we're, we have a interview coming out or um, we, we co-hosted and, and we're guests on, um, well, actually, no, we were guests on, didn't co-host. We were guests <laughs> on the Jersey Ghouls podcast. And we're going to be talking about some films there. And one thing that I'm kind of reminded is that like, this is also along the same lines as the films that we discussed with them is that Mm -hmm. if you're a shitty person, (laughs) you're going to die alone and like shitty things will happen to you. So Christmas is like your last chance to get it right and to not be a shitty person. And it just make, and then, you know, in kind of having this conversation, I have this thought, I'm like, are we just, 
um, is the is the is the point of all Christmas movies and stories. Just like don't be shitty, or else you're gonna die alone, um, <laughs> or else you're just gonna die. Period. You know, it's like we're 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 doing that, and yeah, I don't know. Like I I I also watch this with like noise canceling headphones on. Um, and like Bluetooth. So that way I can have like that full surround. And I thought that the sound design was amazing. Um, you can tell Michael Arden is gay because it's all Sufjan Stevens. Like, (laughs) yes, I was going to bring that up. I, the music. Wow. Mm -hmm. Incredible. And again, that's super modern. Like Sufjan's Mm -hmm. albums, like of Christmas music are so bizarre. You know, there's some very interesting things happening that are very super modern. And so you're taking this tale again from the 1840s and you're. um, Sorry, I'm being attacked by a cat um, Mm -hmm. now. And, um, you know, so you're taking these very modern Christmas songs that are kind of weird. And again, I think it kind of tied in with some of the the vocal stuff they were doing with uh, Jefferson playing the different ghosts, you know, so kind of using these uh, uh, vocals that had a lot of overdubbing and, you know, electronic processing, I think kind of really fit in, but it, you know, along with the projections, which were really beautiful. So again, just, they really did a good job modernizing and, and, and making this a relevant tale, even though it's still a period piece and it's still, firmly sat in the time it was released but yeah the music oh the music was incredible yeah exquisite i think it's that i think it's right after he visits right after he's visited by the ghost of christmas future when he's like on the turntable and he's going through the different things and you just see him walking and that's that like like really eerie music is playing in the background but it's so beautiful too yeah yeah and I think I, I, usually it, the ghost of Christmas present is my favorite ghost because that's the one I most identify with. But in this one, I thought ghost of Christmas past was perfectly done. And again, like if people for, listener, if you're not familiar with like one man show, one person show, he's literally playing every single character. So not only is he, having to engage in that physicality and, you know, pop in and out of it. But the, through the magic of theater, and this is, again, this is why I think it, this is why I think theater will always win out. It's like the magic of the theater is that it's the lighting and the sound and how can we, how can we do things to add to that while, and you can really see it. Like when he's going back and forth between himself and Marley, um, or even just in the very first scene when um, he, when uh, his nephew comes in and he's having that whole interaction with his nephew and Bob Cratchit and all of that stuff. Like it's so it's so seamless, but like the the differences are so distinct. Voice and posture, uh, yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's beautiful to, it's beautiful to watch that kind of craftsmanship. And I'm like, I really hope that if this does get picked up by like a streaming service by a Netflix or something that they just do this, they keep this as is and not go back and reshoot it with James Corden or whatever. Um, (laughs) Because it's just, it's beautiful. And it's like you, this was very much that storytelling aspect of it like this was a man on a stage this proscenium just looking at people and saying this is what's going on and i'm the narrator telling you what's happening and i'm playing all the characters and 
this is something like I would show this to my children. Like this is the version of a Christmas Carol that I would show to my children because it's just so beautifully well done. Yeah. Oh no. A hundred percent. Yeah. 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 And you're right. Those, those switches are really incredible because you forget it's like watching it. You know, sometimes I just forgot that he wasn't the same person because of the lighting, his whole facial structure, Marley, him being Marley and that whole conversation and how they had that purplish green and green light on him and his face stretched out. Like, you know, I mean, just not like his natural facial, you know, making these expressions and all this wasn't like CGI, you know, they had all these, you know, really cool projections and light uses, but I mean, really at the end of the day, it is him, you know, and he just Marley and the door knocker, like, yeah, with the light coming underneath, just gorgeous, 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 gorgeous. Yeah. And I think it was at the future where it was just the light, just that white light. Oh gosh. It was just, yeah. Again, it was really, really, really something to witness. Um, you know, so again, we're kind of just reviewing this. It's not really, you know, this sort of, I mean, you know, we know the story of a Christmas Carol. It's, this is very much plainly, you know what it is. I just do think that it's again, very, very, very relevant. Um, I think a certain president should, uh, consider, uh, the ramifications, <laughs> Carol. Um, you know, and, and yeah, and like you said, it is. It's that kind of. You know what it reminded me of? It, um, randomly, that's been done. If, have you watched Scare Me yet? On Shutter, no, not yet. Okay, yeah, you should watch it because that's kind of how they. It's like this anthology movie, but it's not. It's they're telling each other stories, and so there's sound effects and things that kind of crawl creep in, and you know, weird weird things happen. Um, but it's like, it's all being like told and performed. And so this, you know, well, I guess really scare me is getting that from these kinds of, you know, things that have gone, you know, for centuries, we've told, uh, stories this way. Um, and, but it, it just, the way that they, in telling the story that it's like the audience has come and like gather around, I'm going to tell you the tale of Ebenezer Scrooge and, you know, be all the voices and, you know, do the whole thing. It's just, ah, I don't, it was very, very, very good. Uh, and it reminded me of some great, um, you know, one, one person shows that I've seen. And I'm actually a huge fan of that medium. I love, you know, seeing a person get on stage and be 50 people and, you know, us really go along with that ride and, and believe it. Um, you know, or even if they're just one person, you know, I think what was that a weekend with Picasso? Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? Um, mm-hmm. Oh, God, it was so good. It was here at, um, what's that? The Lyceum? Is that what Oh, yeah, the, the Sandy Rep. Yeah, that was, it, it was so good. And then we went and we saw the other, um, oh, gosh, what was that play called? It was so good. Um, ah, shoot. Damn, I can't remember. Anyways, I, yeah, so I'm a sucker for a one man show anyway. So I, you know, I, I, I thought I would enjoy that aspect of it, you know, mm-hmm. and then I was just really taken in by how much I loved how scary, you know, and how creepy they made this. It didn't feel Christmassy at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even, I kind of forgot I was watching a Christmas film um, because it's, it, you, you truly do care about, um, you're like when you're invited and in, into this world, it's just so, it's so good. Like, it's just so beautifully done. 
Yeah. And so I did find that um, Charles Dickens, he did. He did these readings up until his death. So it was like 120 plus performances of it because uh, it was successful and I think helped create that renewed interest in, in A Christmas Carol. Uh, so this was very much, I think, the you know the idea behind it was was very very much rooted in the original tour you know of uh, you know that Charles Dickens did. So, I, man, so good. Yeah. So please, if you're out there, if you're able to afford it, it the the ticket price is definitely like a price for a night at the theater. Yeah. Like. So just kind of go in there and go in there with that expectation, make it an event um, because it's just, it's really at the end of the day, it's just a very, it, it was a very good, like it, it instantly cheered me up and it reminded me of being in those rooms and what it would have been like to be in that space and seen it um, and seen it live. And it made me hopeful Um hopeful yes for life theater to return eventually. But at the same time, like I think one thing that has to always be said is that, you know, people on this coast, on the West coast, we don't, um, we're, we're, we're always like so far removed from Broadway. Like there's Mm, the trope of like the theater kids on the West coast, listening to the cast album. Like that's me. That's always been me. (laughs) Um, and then just dreaming of the day that I'll be able to get to New York theater and, you know, Broadway serves its purpose because yes, they're massive and commercial and, you know, a lot of it is adapted, but they serve their purpose because someone's going to get inspired and want to do that. And it represents, you know, the, the represents the work of uh, the work and the livelihood of, you know, thousands of people. But what regional theaters do is that they make it so that way you have these like, you know, transformative theaters happening right in your own backyard in, you know, not more than maybe 30, 40 minutes away, depending on where you are. So if there's a way to support regional theaters, like then this is it. So give yourself that gift, if anything, because it it definitely helped uh, turn my turn my spirits around a little bit. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just to, you know, regardless of how you feel about a Christmas carol or Christmas horror or Christmas movies, Christmas, 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 uh, it is a amazing performance. You know, I mean, it's just technically well achieved and well acted and just uh, just mind blowing. It was very, very, very good. And again, yeah, the music was great and um, the direction, everything. It was just, gosh, I just, yeah, I keep thinking about how delightful it was and i look forward to being able to see it again uh hopefully like you said they'll release it on on something uh once the fundraising or whatnot is over so Mm -hmm. (sighs) i think this was a good choice for uh starting you know kicking off our our our, uh, group of films that we're going to do for the holidays this year uh this was a good starting point joe so good good on you for for finding that it was my gift to you joshua i appreciate it <laughs> and uh yeah we should look at some other uh old uh you know or not old geez some other incarnations of a christmas carol to consider throughout uh throughout our our holiday season <laughs> hmm. um yeah so check it out know that you're supporting people in your community and uh you know have a nice family night and remind your kids not to be pieces of shit so that they don't uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so they're not visited by horrible ghosts and Krampus and whatever else might find them lurking, you know, lurking under their beds. <laughs> Joe, scary cryptmas, it's here. We're doing it's it. It's here. You know, bless us, everyone. Yes. Praise Satan. Um, I love you. And uh, you, dear listener, thank you for listening. Again, check it out. A Christmas Carol. It's, uh, what is it? A Christmas Carol live.com. We'll have all the information below. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and if you don't have a regional theater, um, go to the La Jolla Playhouse website and support ours. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, I think if you, yeah, you just put your zip code in and it'll tie you to the theater that's uh, being supported. Otherwise, yeah, it said that it's all going into like a pot. So mm-hmm. it'll be split amongst evenly amongst everybody if uh, you don't have a regional theater. So, all right, with that, good night and uh, sweet dreams. No, I'm kidding. Unpleasant dreams, bad dreams, scary dreams, nightmares for you. <laughs> <laughs> Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.